this has been sort of cast by some people as, well, you know, House Bill 6, it might be corrupt, but, you know, it's really important that we keep these power plants in Ohio, and it's really important that we keep people uh, in these jobs. Not so fast. Hi again, everybody. Welcome back to The Narrative. Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, David Mahan joining you for another episode of the podcast today. It's great to have you with us and a lot to talk about, a lot going on uh, in the well, state. This is of- the second podcast we're doing because we just apparently have the entire podcast conversation. Well, we yes, started. that's fair. They, like David starts going on a rant on everything we're talking about here. Trying before, to bring these brothers up to speed. Before the podcast. And it's <laughs> like, well, it. we got microphones here. Does somebody hit record? Anyway. So. It makes it challenging to get into it. More challenge. I mean, you guys make it hard enough to start off this podcast as it is, but then we do like a soft start, and now exactly. we've got to actually yeah, start yeah, it. So yeah. you still haven't started. Like, exactly. You're still talking. <laughs> This anyway. is the only time okay. I get a word in edgewise Sorry. on this podcast, okay. guys. So what are we talking about? That's a great question. I would love to know because I forget from the time that David used all the good material. Uh, no, we, we are talking about uh, a study that came out yes. this week uh, or within the past week about the effects of legalized sports gambling in Ohio. This is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. We had Les Bernal on the podcast about a year ago now, and we'll link to that episode if you want to go back and, and hear some of the foundations for the issues uh, behind legalized sports gambling. But uh, the really staggering number in this report or this survey that came out is that one in five Ohioans are uh, an at risk for be at risk for being a problem gambler. That is a staggering number. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of the most unsurprising things that can happen. Um, when you look at, uh, the, the way gambling is promoted in Ohio. And, and this is one of these things, you know, again, I, I encourage folks to go back and, and listen to that Les Bernal podcast. We can link to it in the show notes um, and, and to look at stop predatory gambling. Um, but this is one of these things that, again, is one of those places the body of Christ is needed to be salt and light. Um, and one of these things that we can't allow ourselves to be bullied into silence on. Uh, because most of the time when you start talking about gambling, uh, you get called a prude, you get called, you know, a, a moralist, you're trying to, and, and the the fundamental issue here is that you don't need to think that gambling is a sin. And I, I fundamentally don't think that two friends saying, oh, I'm going to bet you lunch over or whatever over who's going to win this game. That, that's That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about state sponsored and state incentivized gambling right? That's what casinos are. That's what the lottery is. That's what sports betting is. And this is when you bring big business uh, into the business of addiction for profit, right? This is, this is the same thing we've been talking about with marijuana, but it is, they, they have every incentive to get you to start doing something and using all that we know about social science and the brain and all that to get you hooked uh, on on gambling and spend more and more money. And when you put the force of state government and the money and resources of state government behind that, you're going to see a massive amount of, of gambling happening in the state. Yeah. So, so you know, just to back up, you, you open the door to this entire addiction for profit industry. Now you have to spend taxpayer dollars on this entire infrastructure. The Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services have to do surveys and studies every year uh, the ohio responsible uh you know ohio for responsible gambling has to be you know engaged in on this and and this the latest every five years they do these these studies right on on how this decision to to open this up 
and Ohio has affected Ohioans. And you, you know, you heard Mike say that it's, it's uh, one in five. That, that's about 1.8 million Ohioans, right? So they have a hotline for problem gambling in Ohio. And from 2022 to 2023, um, we saw a 66% increase in one year in calls to the hotline. This is real. Like this, this is these are in, insane numbers, and we all knew that this would happen, and we said it uh, before it happened. And and this is what's important about this, Dave, is that this is only the beginning, right? Sports gaming was just legalized January of 2023, right? And and, and we're and this is one of these things that like this is where culture matters so much on these things, where you cannot watch Sports Center anymore. I, I couldn't turn on coverage of the Super Bowl without everything being about the lines, right? And and without being about prop bets and, and things like that. And so you now have, you know, looking at the numbers that just came out, it's not just one in five Ohioans that, that's a, a, at risk a problem gambler. It's one out of four 18 to 24-year-olds. Yes, that's the number one age bracket right? that's being affected the, by the, this. Like this is, this is that next generation being trained that fundamental to sports and then fundamental to life is gambling is betting um and the that's one of those things that this this is just we're just starting to scratch the surface on on where this is going um and you again you you think about what it is that young people are going to now be dealing with we've got you know universities spending out of control and we're leveraging them with tens of thousands of dollars of college debt um, and then they're graduating with a gambling addiction on top of that, um, and they can't get away from it because it's all on their phones. Um, and, and it's you know th- this is one of those things that demographically, th- th- you know, in politics, um, it's it's all about pressure, and all of the pressure right now in this space uh, is from the people profiting on it, right? That are either profiting off of it or are you know as a, as an industry or state lawmakers that yeah. want money to be able to spend on other things every, right every every lobbyist has a hand in gambling and marijuana and you know dope somewhere it's it's all of them are doing something related to the dopamine industry right can I, oh and, and can I get myself in trouble here real quick and I'm uh, I'm every I'm, week I'm going to really <laughs> you, you you know what makes it really easy to as a republican to say oh we're going to keep cutting taxes is when you can bring in revenue from other places, right? So now you can say we cut taxes, but you don't really have to stop spending as much because now you're bringing in revenue from from weed and gambling. Um, so, uh, and I'll just say this is why um, libertarianism or this this radical like free free individualism is detrimental is is bad for society right like we our system of government dis, depends on virtuous people right. so yes it is very true i know people i love people great people out there who go to casinos and have a great time and do it do it responsibly and and you know are are, are enjoying great lives right um, but the fundamental reality is, on the whole, when you have things like this, or when you have sports betting available every place all the time, no matter where you go, on the whole, society is going to suffer. Yeah. And so, what depends on on what our nation depends on is some of us saying, you know what, 
I, I'm going to sur- willfully surrender certain of these liberties because it's going to hurt uh, folks, right? This is this is literally the same idea of why uh, issue one passed, right? Is that people did not feel like they could say they could tell somebody else what to do with their body. They didn't feel it was right to get between a woman and her doctor, as opposed to saying, you know what, we need to protect these innocent lives. So I'm going to surrender something I might want to do or somebody something somebody else might want to do because it's worth protecting human life. That this is, if, if your primary uh, goal, if your North Star on determining what is good and is not is radical individual liberty, um, you're going to end up in places where on the whole, the whole system is going to collapse. And the the messaging for sports gambling is also what's everywhere. Not just the fact that you can access it anywhere, right. but that you're being inundated with it to your point about the Super Bowl, Aaron. And, and I remember in that podcast with Les Bernal, you made a similar comment about SportsCenter not being able to watch it without yeah. finding all the betting lines and stuff. And I, I thought that was a little bit of an exaggeration, honestly, but then I realized it's more of a frog in the water pot kind of situation where the water's just been slowly boiling around you. And then you step back and you look at it and think, this is true. You can't, you can't turn on any kind of sports talk program without them talking about the latest lines or the prop bets or all this kind of stuff. And when you can get to it on your phone, it's just an open door to walk right into it. All right, so we curse the darkness, right? These 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 mean old casino folks. How did it happen though? Like yeah. who, you know, the supermajority, how did this happen? How did it get past the Republicans? Did how did those Democrats slip this by all these Republicans uh to where we now have one in five Ohioans struggling with addiction, 66% increase on the hotline. It, this wasn't a Democrat thing. This was mm-hmm. a Republican thing, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, Aaron and I had a meeting the other day, and you know, I asked the question. I'm like, man, everything you're saying is is amazing about how we're going to do this for kids, and we need to protect children and empower parents. But I'm like, but on the other hand, like, there's a a concurrent line here that says we're going to bring in entire, you know, industries that we know will harm children, right? And you do it so quietly. Right. And there's nobody to hold them accountable. And I think that's why the, and just another reason why the body of Christ has to engage in civic response, you know, c- civic engagement responsibly. Well, and and again, I think it's one of these things that uh, if this is one of the same areas as with transgenderism, the only people who have the incentive to say something about this is Christians. Right. Because everybody else is is getting paid. This doesn't happen if we do our job. This right. Is our I fault. mean, it's 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 massive. Um, and uh, you know, again, I, I remember testifying against sports gaming a few years ago. Um, and uh, you know, th- there's so much that just goes assumed by this. Oh well, sports betting is just going to happen sooner or later. And they said that because every lobbyist got uh, every you know paid lobbyist got got you know, bought out by the gambling industry. Um, and and I remember one of them said, you know, well, I, I made the comment about um, how this changes culture, right? And kids are going to just see gambling and, and sports betting as a part of life. And one of the, the state reps, a Republican, said, oh, well, we have – uh, we have a prohibition in here about advertising the kids. It says you oh, can't well, advertise you the kids. That's, that's right. Yeah. And I literally I said to them, so wait a minute, you're telling me as I'm driving down 315 in Columbus, 
the law is going to be when it has this, you know, the FanDuel ad up on 315. By law, my kids have to close their eyes. That's what you're saying. That's what we're, we're going to have to do. Uh, and I said, well, that's the, you know, they, they can't use cartoons. I mean, it's just you nonsense. You block the app on the phone. I'm like, yeah, you know this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's just the tip of the iceberg, too, because there was an article in the Plain Dealer, I think, yesterday, or Cleveland.com yesterday, about the casino industry talking that they want to legalize iGaming yep. in Ohio, which is letting residents play games like blackjack and poker on their phones to bet. They're talking about the additional revenue that could generate for, for the state. And should that happen, it just multiplies the impact of what this could be throughout the state. So yeah. Christians really need to be aware of, of that and watch, watch what's going on there. And it's something CCV is going to be starting to push back more and more against um, it's also uh, something that I think for a lot of pastors, and this is something we've been talking about around the office quite a bit, is, you know, this is one in five of the general population, you know, let's say then one in 10, one in eight folks sitting in your church, pastor, are at-risk at uh, gambler now, right? Uh, problem gambler. Um, and so the question is for, for the pastor, are, how are you equipping your people to deal with this day and age, how are you dealing with? How are you equipping the parents in your church uh, to understand the times and know how to respond? And and I'm I'm sorry, Pastor, if you're saying that's not my job. What you're telling the sheep in your church is go figure it out on your own, right? Because there, there's no place else in life that they're going to be able to find someone to help them understand how to think these things through and then walk alongside them, right? We 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 wouldn't. There's there's so many other contexts we we wouldn't say that as a uh, as a church leader of you know that oh well they just got to figure that stuff out on their own no that this is one of these things that um, the the church has to be in a position to step up to help because this is real people right this is this is fathers gambling away uh, their 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 mortgage payments right this is this is kids gambling away their future uh, and racking up untold amount of debt. Um, that's going to saddle them for the rest of their lives. And, and um, again, it's one more thing that the church needs to be prepared to respond to. And not even respond, but to your point, David, to lead on, to yeah. get out in front of this to, to the extent that they can. That's a little bit of a, a heavy conversation necessary by, by all accounts. Um, Want to turn the page to something a little more positive, some yeah. positive news out of CCV this week. And we're headed toward gala season, Here and we, we, were, yeah. we were able to uh, announce who our Columbus Keynote speaker is going to yeah. be, and Aaron, I'll let you. Uh, for anybody who hasn't heard, I'll let you make former that guest to the, of the narrative. Uh, our, our our friend Vivek Ramaswamy uh, is coming in uh, to to speak. It's going to be April sixteenth, downtown Columbus. Uh, and, and I just have to say, you know, one, uh, I think Vivek has become uh, one of the most uh, clear and concise uh, champions, not just for pushing back against woke corporate America. Uh, but really identifying those things. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about uh, a conversation we're going to have next week with uh, Brad Wilcox um, on, on what's going on with marriage and family. Uh, like Vivek has understood the things that the left is doing to undermine uh, culture and society in a way that so few have it. And I, I mean, for so many of us who, who sort of follow him online, you'd see those, uh, you know, I, I, what I respected so much about the presidential campaign he ran um, was you know, really anybody that wanted to ask a question, anybody that wanted to engage in a in a debate, even your most far left kind of screaming activist, Vivek would bring them in and let them talk, right? And then he would say, okay, now it's my turn. 
Um, and and it was such a, a great example of how to debate. And but I think what what's most exciting to me about this, and this is one of those things that uh, you know, for listeners of this podcast and for for the churches and and folks that are part of the ministry of CCV with us, you know, it just says something about um, the important voice that Christians have in America today. Uh, that somebody like Vivek, right, who um, could be a vice president, uh, vice presidential candidate. Um, certainly, you know, if uh, I would be shocked if President Trump uh, wins and doesn't make Vivek vice president, if, you know, Vivek's not someplace high in the administration, that he thinks it's important to come speak to the Christians in Ohio, right? That That is such a, um, one, an honor, you know, as an organization like CCV, who our, our job is to, uh, to to be a voice uh, for the body of Christ um, in uh, culture and politics, um, the, that that he wants to come and speak to to us to our group, um, uh, but it's also a great responsibility for us uh, in, in all of this to make sure we're stewarding that platform well. Um, so yeah, so again, you know, you guys know how this goes. Uh, our, our galas tend to to sell pretty quickly, and and we do the whole table sponsorship thing. What we've heard time and time again, uh, Mike, with, with with folks over the years, uh, is that uh, it was coming to a gala uh, and experiencing uh, the work of CCV. So, you know, if if you're a, a friend or supporter and you want to uh, get a table, you can go to ccv.org/galas and and reserve a table, and then invite your friends. Right? Uh, CCV does so much. A lot of times, it's hard for folks to wrap their minds around all that God uh, has us involved in right now. Uh, but when you come to the gala, we just hear time and time again. That's where folks really uh, get connected to the work. And the communications director would like to remind our friends listening to this on Friday that you might not be able to reserve your table just yeah, yet. Uh, it, yeah. might, it might be next week before you can do that. You don't get a job, Mike. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> There's been a lot of moving pieces this week, guys. Exactly. We will we will get those sponsorships available as soon as possible, I promise you. Yeah. And sign up for our email list because there will be an email yes, that goes out when when yeah. those go out. So uh, yeah. looking forward to to that time in Columbus. And as far as Cincinnati goes, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We yeah. can't tell you anything yet. But... Lord willing. I mean, honestly, by the time we post this thing, uh, we, we could know uh, we, we could have the announcement of of who are uh, our Cincinnati Gala speakers, but we've got uh, someone we're really excited yeah. to uh, irons in the fire. Yes, I, that, that, that we've wanted to to share. Um, I do just want to say one other thing about Vivek. Um, you know, we did get some some good questions about uh, you know should why why is CCV having a non Christian speaker at our galas, um, and, and that by all means is something we take very seriously. Uh, it's it's not something that we 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 we, actually, we had internal conversations about this, um, and I I had just a few thoughts uh, on that, that that I wanted to share. First and foremost, you know, again, our our job at CCV is again being that force, being that voice uh, for the body of Christ in culture and politics in particular, uh, and this is an individual uh, who. Uh, could very likely end up at a very high uh, position in in government, and and certainly has a high you know platform and culture, uh, and is in so much alignment with us on the issues. Right at the end of the day, it's, that's one of the things we talk a lot about um, with Christians when you go vote. Right? Um, yes, you know, proclaiming Christ matters a lot. Right? But at the end of the day, we're, we are. Uh, electing someone who's going to decide, make decisions about the course of our nation, right? And and they are not the person in charge. We are the one in charge. They are the tool. 
that we have appointed, right? I, I, this was actually the talk I gave at last year's gala. We are the governing authorities, right? The first first words in the Constitution is who's, who's in charge? It's we the people. Um, and so we're the ones choosing the people in charge to decide the policies uh, for the direction of our country. Um, and when you look at the positions that uh, somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy has, uh, so much of the positions that he take align with the Bible, even if he's not in agreement with why these things are true, even if he is deceived about why these things are true, um, the positions that he's taking are, are very much lined up. And he actually does a phenomenal job, better than a lot of Christians I know, uh, at, at articulating why that, that matters. And so for, for us at CCV, um, one, it's an honor to have somebody in, in his position uh, want to come and speak to, to the folks that we speak to. Um, but also, too, this is our opportunity uh, to uh, really uh, highlight uh, the issues that are, are facing Americans today and, and be a force to make the nation uh, the country that we want to see it be uh, for the good of all and for the proclamation of the gospel. So ccv.org slash galas next week to check out your your sponsorships and and things like that to, to join us in Columbus. It should be a great night. We've got a great conversation coming up today on the podcast. We're going to talk with Rep. Brian Stewart about uh, the first energy scandal, House Bill 6, all that stuff. There's a lot of details. It's tough to keep straight. So Rep. Stewart's going to help us uh, just really understand what's going on there. And I think we've had a number of conversations lately on the podcast that's just this should help you yeah. understand a really complex issue. I feel like this is another one of those. No, totally. You know, this was one of these things that, you know, it, it's been percolating percolating in Ohio since really 2020 um, and even before that. Uh, but it's one of these things that most folks that we run into just weren't aware. They, they might have heard about some major bribery scandal. Um, they might not. They, a lot of times they just didn't realize it was the largest bribery scandal in Ohio history. Um, you know, it was an issue that, that CCV wasn't involved in, but there were actually aspects of it that impacted some of our work. Obviously, we knew a lot of the players involved uh, in the in the situation. Um, but it was one of these things that, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, most folks just don't realize what was happening here. Um, and it's partially because a lot of it was really complicated, right, of, of money going from here to there, and it's in PACs and C4s and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so this was a, a great conversation with Representative Stewart um, about, you know, really what happened and where things stand, because there were more indictments that just came out. And um, it, it was a, a, a good talk overall. I just think everybody assumes that all the politicians are corrupt anyway. So why is that special? <laughs> but this was really special, y'all. This yeah. is different. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we get to that interview, I just want to remind everybody, if you can, share, rate, review the podcast. That really helps us out. And also I want to say that we've got our Ask Us Anything episode that's coming up. It's just a matter of weeks away now. Uh, so we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at the narrative at ccv.org with your questions, or you can call or text us at 614-769-7077. Again, that number 614-769-7077. We look forward to getting your questions for the Ask Us Anything coming up here in just a couple weeks and uh, hope you'll stick around for the Brian Stewart interview. It's up next on The Narrative. Hey, Narrative listeners. You know, Christians in the marketplace today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. Businesses are following woke capitalism. Chambers of commerce are beholden to social justice and secular activists are chipping away Christians' First Amendment rights. As Ohio's only Christian Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. 
Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to cbpohio.org. That's cbpohio.org. We're back on the narrative. Mike Andrews, Aaron Baird, David Mahan, joined now by Representative Brian Stewart, who represents the House uh, 12th House District from Southern and West of Columbus. And Brian, it's good to have you here on the on the show today. We want to have this conversation about the corruption case surrounding House Bill Six. We were talking before we went on the air, and I honestly think I'm the the perfect audience for this because I know some of the names. I know I've heard the word corruption thrown around. I know it involved former Speaker Larry Householder and all those kinds of things, but I'm light on details. So looking forward to Mm -hmm. to having you kind of fill in some of the gaps for me and for our audience today. So I guess right off the rip here, can you just kind of give us the background and how some of this started to, to come to light? Actually, I want to pause there, Mike. Okay. I want to do the intro a little bit. Can we have Brian kind of give his background a little bit first, just so folks oh, know, sure, you know sure, sure. how you've been, how long you've been in office, all that kind of being an attorney, all that, uh, and then we'll jump into that. Yeah, so, sure, cool. absolutely. Sorry, we should. My bad. We should have talked about that. Before. Oh, that's fine. We're back on the narrative. Mike Andrews, Aaron Baird, David Mahan, and we're joined today by Representative Brian Stewart, who represents the 12th House District here in the the state of Ohio. That covers the area that's west and south of Columbus. And Brian, it's great to have you here today. Tell us, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and and how how you, long you've been representing the 12th district and just some of your background that led you into the political scene here in Ohio. Sure. So good to be here. Um, you know, one of the first questions you get when you're in public service in 2024 is. Uh, why the heck would anybody want to be in public service in 2024? Um, so I usually answer that to say, you know, I was a senior in high school on 9-11 and uh, that changed the whole course of my life and uh, decided to enlist in the Army, was in uh, active duty infantry in the Army for about three years and, uh, you know, went to went to uh, to Baghdad and Iraq, came home when friends did not. And so that really motivated me to, to want to continue to give back and to, you know, earn this chance at life that I have that... Uh, the friends do not. And so um, that started out with, you know, people elected me to village council and then uh, elected me to be a Pickway County commissioner for eight years. And uh, thankfully, uh, in 2020, got elected to the Ohio State House. I'm in my second term in the House. And uh, when I'm not uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm a lawyer. And uh, so find ways to stay busy. And going to the pumpkin show as well, of course. And uh, I am the ambassador for the Circleville Pumpkin Show. That's right. There's state rep. There's 364 days a year. You got to get those priorities. Exactly. (laughs) Isn't it the (laughs) pumpkin festival? Come on, man. Just, uh, just alienating all of the <laughs> Southern Ohio audience in one fell swoop. Just turned off the podcast. Thank you, David. For, yes, for great that. work, David. Well, we'll try and bring you all back with our topic for the day that we're gonna gonna converse here with Rep. Stewart about, and and that's the the House Bill Six scandal. And before we were going on the air, we were talking about why we want to have this conversation. And I realized I'm the target demographic here. Like mm-hmm. I, I know some of the big, the big names, the Larry Householder that's been thrown out, former Speaker of the House, and uh, terms like corruption, bribery, those types of things. But I'm light on details. And uh, Brian, we're grateful that you're going to help us fill in the gap. So I guess just kind of take us back and lay some of the groundwork mm-hmm. for, for what is the situation around House Bill 6. Sure. So I should first say... Um, I didn't vote for House Bill 6, but I also wasn't in the legislature uh, <laughs> during House Bill 6. And so uh, there, you know, was not there for 
some of the day-to-day and some of the arm twisting and some of the uh, details that, that others were. But uh, followed it very closely, just, you know, obviously being a public official and being interested in what goes on at the state house. And so was kind of following the bill, you know, before I got there. And then certainly when I was when I was running for uh, state representative, my first term is when, you know, the news came out. I was at a county commission meeting actually and got a, you know, this text barrage that uh, the Speaker of the House had been arrested at his home. He was being arraigned uh, in federal court. And very quickly, we had an indictment come out that, um, unlike a lot of my colleagues, I actually went and read. And so uh, wanted to be informed about what's going on here. I think you can kind of summarize the House Bill 6 scandal to say, you know, I followed the trial very closely. I've read a lot of documents. And so Essentially, House Bill 6 was a piece of legislation that was introduced in the Ohio House uh, pretty overtly to benefit uh, a company in Ohio called First Energy. Uh, it's a large public utility company uh, based in Akron. The Brown Stadium was First Energy Stadium for a while, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Until very recently. It was Talk about corruption. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the issue was First Energy at the time owned um, – some nuclear power plants, and they claimed that they needed uh, a bailout for those for those power plants to be uh, uh, kept in operation. And so, at the same time, Larry Householder had come back to the Ohio House as a returning state representative. I'll point out, you know, when he left in 2004, he was also under FBI investigation. Yeah. Short memories in Columbus. Sometimes, um, you know, he comes back and. Uh, the what you see in the documents is that he said, well, to be a, to become speaker, I need to essentially, um, you know, win elections for people that I think will support me. And to do that, I need money. And so you have this long history of emails and texts and, you know, you know, the, the FBI is following guys at dinner about what they're talking about. And the gist of it is uh, you have some executives at First Energy who have also now been indicted as of last week who said, Essentially, we're going we're gonna to bribe this guy. We're, you know, we'll give you $60 million. You'll use that $60 million to uh, win races for people who elect you to be the speaker. And when you are the speaker, you can introduce this legislation that we need to, to bail us out. Now, you know, this has been sort of cast by some people as, well, you know, House Bill 6, it might be corrupt, but um, we won't, you know, it's really important that we keep these power plants in Ohio and it's really important that we keep people uh, in these jobs. Not so fast. Uh, what came out immediately after this scandal actually is First Energy came back to the state house and said, you know that bailout we asked for there, everybody's in trouble for? You know, we actually turned out we don't need it. We don't need it. Some, you know, some our lawyers have talked to the federal government and, you know, we think we can do some, you know, other things somewhere else. We don't need that bailout anyway, right? And oh, by the way, it turns out that the reason the bailout was so important is at the time First Energy was looking for a buyer and a bailout uh, for these power plants. And so, it became this sort of way to to pump up the value of the asset while you're looking for a business partner. And so uh, we have since, you know, one of the one of the votes I am proud to take is we actually took a vote to repeal all the benefits that went to First Energy. That is all gone. Uh, but in the interim, you know, it's come out as just kind of how sordid and dirty and corrupt this whole thing was. And I mean, you've got yeah. you know executives sending texts about you know you know, this is what we expect and what are we buying? And, you, you know, the way they talked about the Ohio State House uh, kind of makes your skin crawl. And the, 
you know, texts and emails and commentary that came out about the speaker is is pretty close to the mark as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, seeing a lot of those things that went around it, you know, there's there's times where it feels surreal reading because one, you know, a lot of these players, a lot of the folks involved uh, in these texts, um, and you know, it's it's the type of stuff that you see in movies almost yeah, at times. History now, right? Then and and then you realize this was this was happening. I I, I got to be honest, Brian. I remember it was it was summertime when the indictment happened. I, I I think probably around June, when when Larry Householder was arrested, mm-hmm. um, and I remember for me the the surprising thing was not that Larry Householder was corrupt. Uh, the surprising thing was that something was being done about it, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that was, it, it was, um, you know, Larry Householder had a, a a way about him of everything was a, was a trade-off. Um, and, you know, that, that was the whole, we had gotten into a, uh, some longtime CCB followers might remember back right before COVID, there was a, uh, a, a a lawsuit, to, or they were attempting to freeze the Ed Choice list, the number of kids that were going to join Ed Choice. And uh, we got into a big fight with Larry, which was, you know, one, one of these things that folks found surprising because we had just worked really closely with Larry on passing the heart, the heartbeat bill. Um, but then he was working to basically roll back Ed Choice, the school choice programs, at the behest of the teachers' unions, because the teachers' unions were, uh, you know, wanting to support some of the other initiatives that he was going to do, uh, and it was just this this incredibly gross world of of uh, pay for play. And if you weren't going to pay, or you were going to oppose anything Larry was going to do, you were going to, you know, be on his his bad side, right? And you know, from CCV's side, that's what happens from time to time. But I mean, if you look up. Pay to play in a political dictionary. I mean, his picture is there. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I like to point out is, you know, when he came in, it was sort of cast as like, oh, you know, now we have the conservative speaker. He raised taxes three times in the first first six months. I mean, he raised the gas tax. House Bill 6 is an enormous tax increase. And he got rid of the business income deduction for a whole bunch of Ohio businesses. So, you know, three tax hikes in six months for the supposedly uh, conservative speaker, you know, these are the things that we're kind of following. And to your to your point, Aaron, I mean, a lot of this was in the newspaper. Right. Right. And so I was following this and saying, boy, this kind of looks not great. Yeah. But I guess I assumed that at least lawyers were involved and people were doing things to the point that it was maybe icky, but legal. I mean, there are things that, right. you know, are legal that we might think are not great. And it turns out, no, they right. were just. <laughs> they were, oh yeah, no, there, and I, I think there is one aspect of this too that you know there, there is a, a fine line here, right? Of there's there's nothing wrong with, I mean, the the way the political system works is, hey, you believe in low taxes or you believe in low regulation or protecting life or whatever, and I'm going to write a political donation to you, right? I I, I believe in what you're doing, like. Lobbyists write checks to politicians all the time, and it's 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 not corruption. What is corrupt? Saying, I want this front. Like, I'm only going to give you money if you give me money back from government. Literally, the pay to play. Like, I'm not. If you don't give me money, I'm not doing X. If you do give me money, I am going to do X uh, to benefit you in uh, personally. Uh, and that was the thing, you know. And the the thing to me that was 
surprising about this is the the really arrogant way, especially when you read the text or you listen to the phone calls, of the way Larry Householder and, um, oh, golly, who was the other guy? Uh, Jeff Longstreth, uh, and uh, who was also indicted. Um, the, the way a lot of these guys really blatantly and over the top said, ostensibly bribe me or I'm not doing this, right? Hmm. Um, or if you don't give money here or if you, you know, if you vote this way, I will give you money, right? Uh, that that was the kind of thing that um, was just shocking in the in the way they sort of flouted the law. Yeah. And for, for perspective, I mean, and I'm glad you pointed it out, um, you know, people talk about, you know, lobbyists and campaign yeah. donations, okay? If you looked at the average finance report for a member of the Ohio House, the average lobbyist contribution is about $250, okay? Now, I don't know anybody who's getting bought for $250, okay? Now, but for comparison for your listeners, what came out at trial in the householder trial is we had one lobbyist who's a lobbyist for First Energy who slid a $400,000 check (laughs) across the table that Larry took himself. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the the, the scale of the uh, corruption here is so out of bounds beyond what anybody would even so, <laughs> sort of suspect. So I, I do, though, real quick, Brian, because you actually just touched on something that I've actually talked about on the podcast before um, of my encouragement. You know, a lot of a lot of folks love they get they get the uh, the President Trump fundraising email or they get the hey, we need to support such and such for Senate in Georgia or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they they write their check. And I'm like, listen, build relationship and write political donations to your local state rep. And your 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 $100 and the relationship you would build with your local state rep by by supporting them, like, will go far further. And and you'll have far greater impact and voice. Mm-hmm. By, because, you know, again, most, we were talking about, uh, before we got on the air, we were talking about some of the you know, we're in election season right now. We're less than four weeks out from yeah. uh, from an election day, uh, and you know the amount of money that it some of the, some of these races for state some of them are going to be really expensive because they're contentious. But some of these races, you know, twenty five thousand dollars in a state rep race goes a really far way. I mean, that, that that's right. what, what some of these folks are going to spend, and and it's for a lot of Christians getting involved in state politics is where you can have the biggest impact. Well said. So I, I, I want to. I want to turn to what uh, Dave Yost just did, because um, mm-hmm. this was all uh, federal stuff that we just sort of talked about. It was the FBI that was tapping phones, that were following folks around. Um, but that we also have state law that, that mm-hmm. got violated here. Um, okay. uh, and uh, we just had uh, three more indictments that came down. Mm-hmm. Um, one was a guy named Sam Randazzo, who was... Uh, appointed, he, he was appointed by the, the DeWine administration to run the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio. Um, and he was formerly working for First Energy. Um, but before we talk about what happened to Sam, what is the Publicly, Public Utilities Commission of Ohio, just for, for our folks? Yeah, so, uh, and I've, heck, I might butcher this myself, but I mean, the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio oversees public utilities, yeah. right? And so, um, there are a lot of things that public utilities do and cannot do that they cannot do unless they get permission. There is a process to go right. through uh, with the PUCO. In a, in effect, they're the regulator, right? right? And so um, 
for First Energy to do what it wants to do, it has to go ask permission from the PUCO. Yeah. And who the chair, and you know, not coincidentally, given what we've been talking about, um, First Energy at the time had a belief that they wanted their own person uh, on, on uh, to be the chairman of the PUCO, and that uh, essentially they paid to get, you know, they 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 had him as kind of a mole, and you had this yep. guy named Sam Randazzo who had been paid over four million dollars by First Energy at the time that he is also seeking to become the uh, PUCO chairman. Yeah, on, on the way out the door. Of he was working for First Energy on the way out the door. They gave him a a four million dollar check, four point three million dollar check. Yeah, I'll I'll just say the way I always describe PUCO is that, you know, broadly speaking, we believe in free markets in America. There are certain things that you can't have a broad open free market for, like utilities. Right? Not you can't just say, hey, I'm going to go start up and start running. Uh, electrical wires and mm-hmm. and plumbing and things like that under streets and and compete with them, uh, so those those areas that you have to have a somewhat of a monopoly on uh, the Public Utilities Commission is there to to ensure that it's being done safely, but also that it's you don't have crazy price gouging going on, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, and so. So what were these indictments, Brian, that just sort of came down from from Dave Yo's office? Yeah, so when, you know, way back in 2020, when the householder indictment came out, and and, so, and you, you referenced it, but there was also, you know, his kind of top number one political guy, Jeff Longstreth, was indicted. A lobbyist named Juan Cespedes was indicted. Uh, Matt Borges, the former chairman of the Ohio Republican Party, was, Matt Borges. Uh, was indicted as well. And you had a number of entities that were indicted. And so you had guilty pleas from essentially everybody yeah. uh, except for Larry Householder and Matt Borges. Um, so, I, you know, I always pointed out to people, this is Larry, Han- Larry Householder's right-hand man says, I did it. I bribed, you know, I helped bribe this person, right? And he said that very early on in 2020. Um, but when you read the indictment, you also saw that the executives on the first energy side were kind of equally guilty here, right? right? I mean, somebody, to have a bribe, somebody has to be doing the bribing. Yeah. Somebody has to be paying the bribes. Somebody has to be the beneficiary of the bribes. And um, First Energy as a corporate entity had sort of um, done a, you know, sort of call it sort of a plea deal with the FBI to say, like, we're going to cooperate. The executives got fired, but they still did the bribing. And, you know, that's that's me reading the the documents. And so um, they have been under investigation. I think there's been a lot of assumption that eventually they may get indicted by the federal uh, government as well. Uh, but I think eventually Dave Yost kind of looked at two plus two and said it equals four. And bribery is a state crime, not just a federal crime. And so, you know, certainly after three and a half years, it's time for the guys that paid the bribes to, you know, suffer some consequences as well. So essentially that's what these indictments in Summit County are. It's indictments of uh, Sam Randazzo, the the PUCO uh, chairman we discussed, uh, Mike Dowling was the lobbyist for First Energy. That's sort of the go-between a lot of these texts and you know kind of arrangements. And then um, I'm going to blank on his name. The the uh, uh, Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones. Yeah. Chuck Jones, the former CEO of of First Energy. I mean, Aaron, this is a Christian podcast, so I'm going to bleep it. But I mean, yeah. to, to your point of just the scuzziness of what is being yep. discussed. You know, the, you know, Chuck Jones is sending out text messages during the passage of this bill, like 
with his face on Mount Rushmore and saying, you know, F anybody who ain't us. Yep. Right. I mean, you know, part of why Larry Householder is in prison today is because he was dumb enough to take the stand and <laughs> which allowed, you know, texts and information to come out. I mean, he the FBI had a recording where he said, if they F with me, I'm going to F with their kids. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And I just, oh. you kind of said it. It's it, it, it's <laughs> like you're listening to a, you know, a, a, a mafia dinner. Yeah, Furman, uh, he said yeah. that they were talking about threatening blowing up his house. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. at one point, it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, and the the, I mean, I remember you mentioned uh, Larry took the stand in the federal case. Yeah. Um, you know, there was the the moment, um, and you know, this wasn't broadcast, but it was you had reporters in there, sort of live tweeting. Uh, the mm-hmm. event where Larry said, "I never have met. I can't remember which who it was, but it was one of the the first energy mm-hmm. um, executives." Yeah, and then the prosecutor comes back and says, "Here's a picture of you and that first energy exec by their airplane in Washington D.C." Uh, and it just was there. There was uh, an unbelievable level of arrogance there uh, that that. That, that led to a, a pretty massive downfall. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, Brian, from from my perspective, what, what do you see as been, you know, we have these these three indictments now. They're going to go to court. Um, they've all entered pleas of, of not guilty. Uh, so we're, we're far from the, the end of this conversation. It's 27 felony violations that uh, that have been filed in state court. Mm-hmm. But... What's your feel for that? Do you, do you think indictments are done or do you think there's going to be more indictments to come? I don't think – I mean I don't think they're done. I, th- I think the federal government has gone to court multiple times and said we're still investigating. We're still doing our process. They're not under any timeline. And so um, I, I expect that the federal government will have additional indictments and I think it stands to be seen whether there's more at the state level as well. Yeah. So I do at some point want to talk about we threw Larry out. Yeah. No, that's no. well, and, and that I, I mean, I, again, Mike, I don't know where 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 your thoughts are, but I I want to hear where where you think the general assembly goes from here too. But. Yeah. No, that that's a a, a great question yeah. and one that I've wondered is since you mm-hmm. weren't in the house when all this mm-hmm. was going on, but came in afterward. What is, for lack of a better term, the cleanup process been like uh, as a member of the of the house? Yeah. It's uh, when I was running for the house and this all happened. Um, Former Speaker of the House, Bob Cup, you know, was kind of making the rounds and meeting all of us. And, you know, the gist of the conversation was essentially, well, you know, Larry House is on the ballot. He's unopposed. So he's going to get reelected to a term. And our Constitution says you can only throw somebody out once. You know, their, their Constitution has a method to expel a member, and you can, but you can only do it once for the same offense. OK, so the idea was, look, one of your first votes when you get here. Representative Stewart, is going to be to expel Larry Householder. And so I show up for my first day. I'm in our caucus room, and sitting in front of me is Larry Householder. And I'm looking around like, okay, when we go, you know, let's let's get to work. Let's, let's, let's take this vote. Well, it didn't happen the first day. Didn't happen the second day. Didn't happen the first week. Didn't happen the second week. Didn't happen the first month. And suddenly the can starts getting kicked down the road. Well, we actually need all the votes we can get for this budget bill. Oh, we actually need, you know, this vote is a little tight. I can't afford to lose one. And so the can just gets kicked further and further and further. And Larry says, I'm not going to resign. 
And so on February 5th, I'd been there, you know, I had this idea, I'll, I'll come in, be kind of quiet, new guy and not make a lot of waves. But then, you know, a month in, we're still, you know, sharing an elevator with a, you know, a guy who three people have pled guilty and said, we bribed this guy. Um, he's in a position to introduce legislation at the same time he's been indicted for selling legislation. And that's just, that just didn't sit right with me. I mean, nobody else in Ohio would keep their job under those circumstances. Nobody else involved in this entire scandal had kept their job. They'd all been fired, except the one guy who's getting paid by the public, right? So um, February 5th, 2021, I became the first member to come out and said we needed to expel him. Not that he needed to just resign. That's pretty easy to say. But that we have the ability under the Constitution to expel a member uh, for uh, uh, disorderly conduct. And certainly bribery, racketeering, and money laundering should probably qualify as yeah, disorderly conduct. Yes. <laughs> Um, uh, the feeling for this was not unanimous. Uh, there was unsurprisingly, I think there were a lot of people who, um, were close to representative householder. He had spent money to get them elected. In a lot of cases, they had been appointed by him when vacancies had occurred. And so we had this, you know, fairly sizable group of people who just didn't want to do it. And so, uh, it was kind of a uphill boulder to push for a while. Uh, but eventually in um, about May of 2021, um, I want to give credit to Representative Mark Frazier, who, who is a former member. He and I introduced the resolution, H.R. Uh, 69, to and actually— Mark was, an appointed, was appointed by uh, by Householder. He was. He uh, was. To, that's to his credit. And to, to the way that, you know, Larry thought, you know, they thought that was the—you know, that he owed them everything. Right. Yeah. We did one thing for you. Now you got to be loyal to us for the rest of your life, regardless of the fact of whether we've done terrible things. Like mm -hmm. I'm a loyal guy. Loyalty is a great mm -hmm. characteristic. But if you murdered somebody, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a higher, you know, law here that's got to right. be obeyed. Other than you know, the mafia has that kind right. of mentality of loyalty at any cost. So um, it was an uphill climb. We had, you know, there were 20 plus members that voted to keep him. Um, our current Speaker of the House voted to keep Larry Householder twice as a member. Um, and so there is uh, there is still kind of a residual feeling among some that, you know, boy, I, you know, maybe Larry's gotten a raw deal here. But um, we were able to get it done. And, and frankly, when I left the state, that kind of mentality only existed within one square block of Columbus. Right. As soon as you left Cap Square, Republicans, conservatives, anybody right. was like, why is he still there? Why have you not right. thrown him out? Um, you know, if, if if I'm a bank teller and I get caught stealing, I don't get to keep working there while it takes a year for my case to go through the court system, right? And so um, thankfully, I mean, we, we expelled him. It was actually the first time we've expelled a member since before the Civil War. Wow. It's a, it's a rare occasion. It should be a rare occasion. But if you were ever going to do it, Maybe the largest public corruption scandal in Ohio history is a good opportunity to do it. Yeah. You, you mentioned, Representative, that, you know, you were drawn to this area of service in high school. You saw 9-11. You had a deep burden to serve your country. You, you went to the military. Mm -hmm. um, what do you say to those who, you know, they're, they're young, you may be in high school themselves, college, mm -hmm. who very cynical view of politics, and this just reinforced you know, why even get involved? You know, it's mm -hmm. all corrupt. Um, you know, we've got we've got folks testifying that everybody's power hungry. And, and this is just one example. 
Um, what do you say? Like, how much of that is you know still existing in the state legislature? And what do you say to those cynics out there that says this is why I'm not I don't want to participate civically? This is a big problem that we've obviously been discussing, and I don't want to minimize it in any way. Um, but I have also said I think this is kind of a perfect storm. You have a perfect storm of a a uh, corporation and a uh, leadership there that is apparently, you know, overtly okay with bribery and a politician who is kind of uniquely power hungry and uniquely vindictive and uniquely uh, just willing to do whatever it takes to get power. Uh, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've never met anybody else like these yeah. folks, right? Yeah. Um, in a normal course of life where the people that run for the legislature are good people, you know, they just they're former city councilmen or school board members or business owners or, you know, community activists or, yeah. you know, people who just want to do good things. They run. They're not going there to be corrupt or to carry water for some corporation. They just want to be there. And absent that sort of like corrupting influence of First Energy and Larry Householder, I think that's what you've seen in the classes that have come since, right? People that just didn't come here for a faction, didn't come here understanding that they had to vote for one bill or another. And so I think that was why it was so important to me to remove him was so that we could start that process, right? right? Mm -hmm. And, and kind of lift that cloud. Um, you got to be vigilant. You know, you have to, um, this did show that if people are really intent on breaking the law and being corrupt, they can be. And I think that's why we as voters have to do more of our job and re-engage a bit more and, you know, don't just accept whatever candidate, you know, comes down the pike, you know, do your, do your own research. But if people think politics is bad now, think about how much worse it would be if all of the Christians and good people and people who are in it for the right reasons and who, you know, have educated themselves to, to care about public service, yeah. if all of them decide, well, it's a dirty business, I don't want to be any, I don't want to have any part of it, we'll be a whole lot worse. Yeah. And, to, to pull on the thread of something that you said there, it is unfortunate that this happened in, in no ways condoning it or anything like that. But like the, the system worked to, to address this issue, right? Is, is that, is that a fair assessment? Even if it took some time and even if it wasn't the cleanest process, like the end result is what should have been the end result here. Yeah. In, in general. I mean, I think that I, there was an editorial the other day of like, you know, well, you know, the House hasn't, you know, done anything else in, in relation to, to House Bill 6. I'm like, well, everything they did is already illegal, right? right. I mean, bribery is illegal, <laughs> you know. And so um, they broke the law. They got caught. They've been punished. And I think everybody has a pretty um, – has their head on a swivel to to make sure this, this doesn't happen again. Um, I'm sure there's things at the margins that we can – you know, potentially do. And I'm, you know, my ears are open, but everything they did was a crime, right? It, it's not like a lot of it was okay. And so, um, we, I think it's really more having some memory and being engaged. I mean, I, the concern for us was I'm not that old, but I remember Larry Householder being in, under, uh, investigation by the FBI in 2004. You know, I mean, I was 22, I was in the army. I mean, I'm reading my newspaper and I knew those things and it was just kind of like, you know, but people kind of got a collective amnesia and time healed all wounds. And it's like, this was a matter of when, not if. And I think that we just got to be a little more vigilant and have a little more um, 
try to have some institutional memory here. We have term limits. I mean, I think that's part of the issue here is everybody who was here in 2004 that knew how uh, distressing Larry was the first time, they're all gone. So I, I, I got to just give a shout out where a shout out is due uh, because you mentioned Larry came in as, you know, this conservative champion. And there were a lot of folks that were yeah. like, you know, Larry's the, the, the conservative leader here. Uh, the one guy who who did not and would not ever go along with him is was maybe the most conservative member of the General Assembly in Ron Hood. That's right. Um, and and My I, predecessor. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're, like, I, I love Ron. I uh, respect him. To, Ron was uh, very close with uh, CCV's former uh, lobbyist, Barry Sheets, who passed away uh, last year. Um, but uh, that was one of those things. Ron was anybody who would talk to him, he'd say, listen, I, I served with Larry. I saw what's happening. I don't, and, and you know, Larry was coming in promising to pass the heartbeat bill. And Larry was the one who, who passed the heartbeat bill as speaker. And that was Ron's bill. Um, and Ron was still like, nope, I'm staying away from that guy. I'm not like, <laughs> uh, and so, so credit to shout out to, to Ron and, and for his, uh, uh right. his, his leadership on that. But. <laughs> well, Brian, thanks so much for for the time and for your insight on this issue. It, it is complicated, and it's been great to get some of uh, some of that background and to understand a little bit more the framework of of what happened and the process to uh, start resolving the situation. And I'm sure there's there's still some work to do there, but we're grateful to have you in the in the House of Representatives and, and doing that work for the people of Ohio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Wessler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.